When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the latest edition of the Daily Records Off the Record podcast with me, David McCarthy, and Keith Jackson, as we speak to some of the biggest names behind some of the biggest stories in Scottish football. Forty years ago this summer, the biggest story in Scottish football, and not just in Scotland, was Aberdeen's sensational European Cup winners' cup triumph over the great Real Madrid in Gothenburg. Our guest today is John McMaster, Aberdeen's left back that night, and forever known as a Gothenburg great. As well as winning the Cup Winners' Cup, John also won the Super Cup as well as two league titles and three Scottish Cups as Alec Ferguson's team ripped apart the old firm dominance in the 80s in Scottish football. So welcome to the show, John. Delighted to have you on board. Yeah, it's a pleasure with yourself and Keith. I'm looking forward to this chat at last. I think yeah. the privilege is John. It's not every day that you get to speak to one of the... Uh, very few people in Scottish football have actually managed to get their hand in a bit of European silverware. And and by the way, it's the only one. I was 10 at the time, so it's the only one that ever happened in my lifetime. So, And I remember it. I remember it vividly, the whole thing. It was an absolute fairy tale. Absolutely. And I would have, John, the other thing as well, of course, is that you're part of the only, the, team, the only team that have actually won two European trophies, aren't you, in Scotland? Because you obviously finished up with a... Super Cup as well. Yeah, you get two two stars on the on the badge there. <laughs> oh, you can't you know, resist this, you know, these Glaswegians, you know. <laughs> You've got to just, the sheep's got to have a wee bit of praise now and again. So we've been through hard times. And uh, oh it's been it's been a delight with the uh, it took us a while to become legends and you know we were quite I was quite a humble person, so was the boys, you know. But when we got on the pitch, we didn't become humble at all. We just mm. wanted trophy after trophy after trophy. But a determined sort of guy just got us going and taught us how to win things again. Yeah, and it's impressive. Yeah. That you're, it's impressive that your shot still fits, John. <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take for one of you two to say that. It's <laughs> my. <laughs> <laughs> Is my grandson shot? Well, I stole it for him for a day. Hi. Good on you. Proud, see, proud see, my life. see if, um, like, if, if we go back to like the start, you obviously came into Aberdeen in about 1972 or something like that as a, as a lad from Greenock, so you were a long way from home. But do you think that it was when a few years later when Billy McNeil became the manager? That you, um, you and Aberdeen finally started to really kick on and believe that you could crack the old firm dominance. Yeah, Billy, Billy kick-started my first team career, and the appearances started rolling up. You know, I was quite determined as a person. The, and I got a few knockbacks for the previous managers, the, and I actually managed to get to the situation where we had a. A Lisbon line as your coach, your two Lisbon lines as a coach, him and John Clark, and what a change in my frame of mind and thinking because he just come up to me and says, "I want you in my team." Right. I've never heard that from any other manager other than him and the the boss, and both of them believed in me and they'd seen us because we were playing reserve team football when the first team were away at Parkhead. 
and the Celtic reserves would come up. So you would get a game every Saturday at Pataudry or anywhere. And uh, they did actually, John was working with Celtic. He, and he'd seen this. They were all into games anyway. They're Anorak's them guys. You know, they're unbelievable. They've seen all the games. They remember names. They remember faces. And it was John that mentioned the big boy. He says, see the boy McMaster, he's not a bad player. We need to keep an eye on him when we got there. So one thing led to another. Played with wide left until we got Ian Scanlon in four or five weeks in the line. But Arthur Duncan had just left as a left winger. Mm-hmm. And they put me into midfield with Andy Watson. That was it. The rest was just, they've just played about 20-odd games there in the, the whole season. 30-odd games, never done before. So... Tell, tell, me this. tell me this, John, because I read somewhere and it's kind of hard to believe nowadays that this would ever happen, but when you were in and about the first team squad at that point under Big Billy, you had gone up to Aberdeen like a few years earlier as an apprentice plumber. Am I right in saying that you volunteered to do the odd jobs around about the stadium, like a bit of plumbing work and all the rest of it, and you were actually getting paid extra for doing that kind of stuff while being a first team squad member? Well, that's why I met Billy, because I asked uh, Mr. Donald, the chairman, mm-hmm. I asked him, uh, well, it was Teddy Scott first. Everyone was through Teddy Scott, who's, who was my stepdad. <laughs> it was everybody's stepdad, Teddy Scott. So uh, he actually said, I says to him, I says, look, just married at a time, 19. He went for extra money, just at a flat as well. And uh, Teddy says, she can get some maintenance here, work with Andy the maintenance guy, and uh, he says, when the chairman, the chairman said, I need problem, come on. So I had six weeks working on the maintenance. He had me digging holes, painting turnstiles, everything, you name it, I'd done it. And While you were in the first team, or the first team squad, you were in about the first team squad? Aye, but I was still on the, I wasn't on the same wages as the first team squad, if you know what I mean. But uh, I was in the first team squad, because Ali just left, and the, it's remarkable. I've never really thought about it that way. Well, you wouldn't see Graham Sinney doing it these days, would you? <laughs> well, well, I, I couldn't have put two pipes together now, put it that way. You know, <laughs> the, I, I don't do the plumbing anywhere because Jimmy, he asked me, he actually, he says, you want to continue with apprenticeship? I says, no, I want to play football. Right, okay, no problem. So it worked out well for me. So what, when when you're doing this, John, when Billy comes in, is it right that Billy says, no, no, this is going to be professional? He he wasn't having that. He just wanted you to concentrate entirely on, you know, kicking a ball about the pitch. No, he was impressed with it. <laughs> because <laughs> I was keeping myself... And <laughs> <laughs> he was pleased to meet me because obviously John Clark had told him about me. Mm-hmm. So it was to meet him, and I met, I met him just at the beach end. And there was there used to be a, a gym in there right next to it where the corner of the stand was with the beach end and the main stand. Mm-hmm. And then the previous year I met the boss at the same place. It's it, it's I it's really funny. But the two of them then, well, I kicked on with the two of them, you know. Big Billy just says, I'm playing you. Let me get a winger first, then I'll play you centre mid, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And he would come up to you and praise you and he'd also criticize you. To get into your ear and get into your head and get into your thinking, you know. Uh, we we silly things like never turning your back on old firm players with free kicks. We silly things like that. Take a quick free kick, you take a quick one, go against them, you know. We Jimmy Johnson, you know, when the, the wingers he'd say, I'm just go to the full back again and get you know, terrorize them. It's it's amazing. And that's all Jock Steen stuff. Yeah. And Jock Steen, guess what? The boss, Alex Ferguson. Love Jock's team. Yeah. So, no. so do you think then did, all... did did Big Billy get in there then change the mindset even before Alex Alex Ferguson went in? You know, was the mindset already beginning to change the belief that you could crack the old firm? Well, the mindset went into mine anyway. I mean, some of the boys he obviously didn't like everybody, but he wanted positions filled and he got. He got three cracking buys. One of them was Gordon Strachan, the other was Stevie Archibald, Ian Scanlon, and then Steve Ritchie. And uh, he got his players in within a month or so, and they started winning games. And that, then 
you don't criticise that because he's there to get a team winning. And that's what we've done. And we pushed Rangers the whole way. Then when they travel that year, uh, we we actually went on an undefeated run uh, before the Scottish Cup and they beat us in the final. You know, that was my first defeat in a cup final. So to get that achievement with a, with the manager only being there about 10 months, 11 months, David was unbelievable considering, you know, what he picked up, you know, because he changed it a lot, a lot. But the training wasn't that, wasn't any different from what you do with each other. But he, the tempo was up there and they played more games, three, five a sides and stuff like that, you know. So, always played. He, he, he only left after the season, didn't he? So, you know, obviously you didn't know well, what was going to happen with Alec Ferguson, but when Big Billy left, well, he's absolutely gutted at that point. Well, I was gutted because he believed in me. You know, I was, I mean, I'd have done anything for him, you know. But when the, the boss came in, it was ex- identical conversation of a fact. I was doing a wee bit of extra training this time. It wasn't, I wasn't in the, I'd got a wage rise with Billy. So, and uh, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't in doing the work on right. the stadium. And doing a wee bit of extra training. And he was there with the chairman at the exact same place. The boss and he knew us, he knew us, you know. He, but he come up and he just looked like a young guy, you know. He was about 38 when he got a job, and you know, he could have still be playing. He's a fat looking guy, thin built, you know. Mm-hmm. But one of them faces you see it yourself, <laughs> you've got to get to know this guy, you know. But he, he come in and he didn't, he didn't do, he didn't do a lot. He just looked over everybody and tried such things out, you know, and uh, it was Teddy Scott telling this story about the boss, he says uh, after a couple of weeks he had seen the squad that he had and uh, he says I need a couple of players and he says he wanted to go and see the chairman, so the chairman came into the foyer at the, the main door and he says, can I have a word with you chairman, he says, he says aye, come on in the boardroom, and he says now what is Alec, he says uh, I mean, a couple of players, strength the team, chairman, he says, hey, come here a minute. Dick Donald took him over to the picture of the, the full squad, the players that was there. You know, he used to get pictures taken every year, pre-season. Yeah. 30 orders, 35, 40 players and about four staff. Teddy <laughs> <laughs> Scott. And he says, see them boys there? He says, go and work with them, come back to me in six months and see how it all goes. He says, we'll back you then. And he Boss just don't have any survey, any problem. And before he went out the door, the chairman just shouted back to him. He says, "Don't get us in debt, Alec." Mm. He never went back. No. He didn't well, go back and see a chair because he worked for the boys that was there. Because the, the, the boys that were there, he quickly realised that he could turn them into a force, and that's obviously what he did. Well, he got into our heads. We get into his head sometimes with frustration. <laughs> oh, he just used the, I think it was the, the physio, and it was uh, Teddy Scott, Bobby Clark was helping out, and Lenny Taylor. That was his staff and him yeah. until he got that for a year. And Pat came in, and what, what another guy he was. I mean, he's an icon. You know what a player he was. He being a midfielder and him being a midfielder, you know, he'd, he took to me as well, which I say it's, it's his Christmas for me, you know. Well, yeah. enough, Paddy stuff. You know, he's a, a angel, but he could uh, destroy people in a second. <laughs> but, yeah. but Paddy moved on, then he got Archie in. So, and then things started to take off because Knox is unbelievable. I wish I had Knox when I was 17 as a player. What was so good about him? Oh, he was great. He was great. He's a great fitness guy. He was a great person for building people up. And, and that's how the, the Neil Coopers and the Johnny Hewitts and the, the, the Ian Anguses, all them, they, 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 I used to curse them all the time, but hey, the, he got them up to a fitness level and also to a skill level and got them all believing in themselves and pushing for a first team. He was a big part of that, Joe. He was, no, he was the sergeant major, wasn't he? Knox, if Knox, he was like the, 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 the drill sergeant. Aye, 
even, even the see even I mean I was a wee bit older. I was the oldest there at the time, apart from Bob and Clark. We all we all highly regarded Archie. And we all just used to look forward to getting in the Monday morning on the train. Tell me everybody that can do that. You know, he's, he's that what's Archie got for us? Because the boss has probably been in at seven o'clock, you know, and seen the tea ladies and all that, and seen the kitchen staff, and seen the, the office staff, and then they'd see Archie, see what I was, what I was prepared, and then they'd go and talk to the oldest pensioners. <laughs> Eat a full day, seven o'clock was his kickstart. Good gun and tell about on the bike. He was some man. He just got right. to know everybody. And that was his that, that was his strength, so it was Keith. Mm-hmm. Did Alex Ferguson did did Alex know annoy some of the players all the time by telling you initially that he's wasn't he as good as St Mirren and like they could do things that you couldn't do, etc. Well, we come up with that and he started criticizing. Well, he started. He thought it was a wind up at the start way, but we were going to be a bit fed up with us because we're used to training in the car park. Remember, David? You know, right. when we were training in the car park, Real Madrid was on a five star holiday somewhere. Training in my beer or something, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was red ash, wasn't it? It was red ash. The red ash was unbelievable. Keith, it was unbelievable. Maybe would believe you he played right? So anyway, we'd be and the boss would be having a bit of stick and carrying on and whatever, and say, "Ah, Tony, if it's plastic, we bit quicker than that spammer," you know. And, <laughs> and then he'd talk about dingus, you know. And then he'd talk about. The, the big boy, the, the sweepers and all that doing there, they talk about a few of the players and we got a wee bit fed up with it. And Wally and I think old Stuart Kennedy went in and seen him. He says, Can we see you for a minute, boss? He says, Come on in. He says, What's wrong? He says, Listen, he says, You're getting the boys some stick and breast and burning stuff. He says, A wee bit over the top. He says, A wee bit angry about what you're saying. He says, what, what do you mean? He says, listen, St. Mirren done me out like a corner against us a couple of games ago. He says, and you're saying this and that. You're going to lose them. And you know somebody took on board. He thanked right. him for it. He took on board. He was open to, you know, discussion with that as well. He wasn't one of them guys that people say, he looks as if he just starts screaming and shouting. No, he, he, he was actually good at listening as well. Mm-hmm. And he took things on board, you know. Because he, I don't know what sort of support or what sort of situation he had at his previous clubs, but Aberdeen was a damn good club to manage. And they're great people. And as the chairman, the board was solid. And they always supported their managers. Because I, I had two before that, three before that, and they were well looked after. And so was the players and the staff. Lovely place to live. But mm-hmm. we weren't winning. And could you feel at this time, John, a shift? Could you feel something inside that dressing when you're looking around and you're seeing McLeish's and Miller's and Strachan's and McGee's? Could you could you just get a sense that this is our time now? We're going to do something. Well, Dingus was a nightmare, but you know something? He actually bailed out about half a dozen of my bad boys because <laughs> he would make a bad ball look like a good ball. And you know, every player got to a stage. In that time, when we played together in, on a car park or down the beach or wherever it was, we all knew what we were doing and we knew what options we had on. We did, everybody in our team had options as soon as they got the ball. But it wasn't in the modern day stuff where you pass, 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 and you don't go over the halfway line until 30 minutes, you know? 4 4 2, 4 3 3, get the ball forward as quick as you can. Yeah. You know, he got players that moulded into that kind of physique. And the way he'd done it was uh, because he knew the players' strengths and uh, he just allowed them to go and express themselves. But it, he wouldn't ask you to do something you couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the boys, all the boys were like, ah, it's just brilliant. This. And the tempo of the, the training was fantastic. You know, we actually as well, and the balance was great then. And you know something? The, the boss and Archie used to go and watch the youngsters, the S forums, the Hewitts and all that, and Big Brian Gunn and Eric Black, they'd come up, they'd come down for the Inverness and all that, Rothschild, and they, they'd train on the car park on a Tuesday and a Thursday with Bobby Clark and Lenny Taylor, and the boss and Archie would be there talking and mingling with the, the parents, mm-hmm. you know, and letting them know how his kids is doing and whatever, you know. 
and he was brilliant at that as well. We but like Bobby Calderish, you know, he was brilliant at that as well. Mm-hmm. And the boss just would make them feel as, as important as the players were the first team. But see, the young boys were doing well. Any young boys, the youths, he would recruit them into the training. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't hesitate. He would just put them into training and say, come on, train with us for a couple of days, see how it goes. And before you know it, Simmy's in there, you know, and Eric's in there. And then you've got big Brian Gunn, and then they become regulars, mm-hmm. you know, so and hungry. And Archie's got them all round up as if they're going to eat their opposition. Well, Simmy could anyway. Ah. <laughs> but that worked a great understanding because... There was boys from Glasgow and Edinburgh who were a wee bit more streetwise than the Aberdeen boys. Mm. And to put a long story short, it's, they played in everything in grass, rugby, cricket, you know, football. They didn't play in half. They didn't play in cinders. They didn't play in gravel. They played right. in grass all the time. Oil. Yeah. So we mixed with them. And, and they gave us some of the hints. And it came, the blend was great. blend was great. Aye, no, that, that's good. So, tell us this, John. Like, you obviously get in the team, and then you know you were playing regular and stuff like that. But I think in 1980, I think it was that you suffered your two serious injuries, and or certainly one of the Liverpool one, which we'll talk to you about in a minute. But the other one, which everybody remembers, was the incident with Willie Johnson at Ibrox. Now, I mean. <laughs> You know, I've looked at that on YouTube and it looks absolutely horrendous. So I need to ask you, what would it like to be in the receiving end here? <laughs> well, that's that his class. Well, he, he must have thought I was a trampoline or something. That he was. <laughs> but, but he came out with a, a book and a book and his book a couple of years later and he says, I thought I was Wally Miller. Right, he thought I was Wally Miller because Wally had done him a couple of times. And that just slid in Aye, and he's running about. I've got, well, I've got strawberry blonde. My mum says, You're not a ginger, strawberry. And I'll say, I'll go with strawberry blonde, mum. So I'm a strawberry blonde. Well, my mother's running about with his hairstyle like she did his. So, but at that time, I'll just end in half. And big, if big doing a regular to that holiday, you wouldn't have seen daylight. But before we went on to the bus after that, but I get I get four big studs right in my chest. It wasn't a kiss of life then, but everybody exaggerated it, David. Mm-hmm. But my family and all that, my friends must have been concerned about what was coming over on the radio and whatever. You know? So I, I told I phoned right away and told her everything's fine, don't worry. And but I'd already spoke to the press outside the Ibrox. And the boss and big Gregory. They were best of mates, and he says, Look, if we can keep this quiet and not get too much publicity, if we, we worry. I'd already spoke to him. Boss comes on and he says, Anybody mentions it to the press, <laughs> I'm up there holding my head. He says, I says, Boss, can I tell you something? He says, I've already spoke to the press. He says, You're fine, spammer. He says, What's this? To find you after you had got the studs in your chest and you'd. You needed but a couple of that. Tell us this, did you ever speak to Willie Johnson again or, uh, you know, did your paths cross again? You must have played against him again, obviously. Well, well, never really. Yeah, but, but you know something? I used to love, but I used to love watching him at West Brom and the, the Scotland team. The ring. I thought he was brilliant. Aye. But then after that, oh, no, I'm doing in my estimation as a man, you know. How bad was the injury, Joe? Jim Forrest. It was every Jim Forrest and Alec Wallaby and Alec and Jim was up there. And then you as well. And uh, it was just typical Rangers players, you know. The tight knit group that they had, you know. And uh, Bud, was, Bud was on his way out, I think, you know. And he ended up going back to Fife, I think, or either club or, either club or something. Yeah, but yeah. I never really... I didn't really, but I, I loved him as a player. And all of a sudden, he's just done what he done. I don't know what he was thinking, to be honest with you. How, how bad is the actual injury? It could have been worse. It could have been worse. Sorry, Keith. I'm saying, how bad was the actual injury? How what, you know what, what was required? It was there was four stud marks scraped right down from my neck, right down to my chest. 
And I was lucky. I was lucky. It didn't go on the throat mm-hmm. where it would have been damageable. And, and then, but hey, that's that's the way the football is, you know. And uh, I didn't realize how high you can jump. Did he say anything to you? Did he say anything to you after no. this incident happens? Did, did, when you're lying there, does he say anything? Yeah, no, no apologies, nothing. He just walked no. away. Everybody was all around and so the Rangers boys were big to mash it after one. And you know. But other than that, no, he, he never even followed up or anything. But he, he only the only time he mentioned in about it was in his book two or three years later. <clears throat> Classic Wally Mark. <clears throat> Wally is so we weren't too happy about that, me and Wally. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So, so, well, like, I, I hate to be just I hate to be kind of talking now about your injuries and all that rest of it, but obviously you played Liverpool in the European Cup and you got a real bad one, didn't you? And I believe that might have cost you a Scotland cap. It did cost me a Scotland cap. I'd seen the boss about five, six years ago before he he was in hospital and he says to us when my big colleague were down visiting him and we started talking and he's got this big great picture of Jockstein in the background in his office and he, I got my picture to him and he says to us, me and my, my big mate Neil Martin, Neil Martin he says he was unlucky when he started talking about the Liverpool and that. he says big Jock says to me on a Tuesday when he was up for the game he said, I'm going to include John McMaster in the next squad. He says, well, I tell John today. And the boss says, no, let's bamber away. And he'll just get all excited about things. Let him concentrate on the game. Right. He says, right, OK. And that's when they told me that, you know. And I, I was a wee bit... I, I was just fed up seeing these guys going in with these beautiful hats and the velvets and the, the name on the, the team and all that. It was beautiful, you know. But uh, I was knocking on the door and that was my opportunity. But then the Liverpool came up and uh, we'd beat Austria Vienna 1-0 and aggregate, which was a good team and a good result. Mm-hmm. And me says, bring on Liverpool. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> they brought in Liverpool, by the way. Oh, mm-hmm. First yeah. 10 minutes, we, we saw Malise whack me in the nose at half wheeling. Mm-hmm. Roland Arnott's like, you're already each one, just you'll be fine. Next minute, identical area, I go on a diagonal run to the beach end for the half wheeling. I went back by a few players and uh, Ray Kennedy comes in I've overstretched my right leg and he hits me in the top with the right knee my studs stay in the ground my whole body goes over right. so it's, it's it's incredible how but I'm doing lying there and Roland comes on and says look he, t- he tests it all and he says and he says to us, he's just go and try it for a couple of minutes and I was walking Stamping. for about a minute or so it's all heavy you know and oh wow and that was it, you know. So I was in at half time. I'm on the, I'm on, I'm in the physios room with Doctor Castle, and uh, <laughs> he's a great old guy, great character. He's got his moustaches, you know. He's a, he's a detective, <laughs> and uh, I think I'll be able to play in, in a return leg in two weeks' time. He says, "Ah, no problem." He says, "A week quarters on injection, and you'll be able to each one." And then he slaps my knee. <laughs> he slaps my. <laughs> And then eighteen months later, Aye. you know, I was out for about time. It was it was a monstrous thing. And it was back then. That's a career Yeah, so it would have if it wasn't for the boss. The boss actually covered up a water. The things the, when I went up and got the X-ray and then I got the surgery done. The boss was the first person up to the hospital in Forester Hill, and I'm sitting there with me. Pressing journal on it, and I've got a stooky from my toes right up to my thigh, right for six for 12 weeks. And then you've got another 12 weeks, non, non weight bearing, and another 12 weeks. So it was a long, long time. And he, he says, he's seen the surgeon, and he says to him, when I come out for the surgery, he says, How did John say the surgery go, Mr. Scotland? That was his name, Tom Scotland. He says, hey, 
it's not good. He says he, he'll never, his leg, his leg was swinging like a pendulum. He says he'll never kick a ball up. He said, don't tell him that. And a millisecond, he says, don't tell mm-hmm. He was thinking about my upbringing, you know, losing my dad when I was five. He drowned when I was five. And six sisters. One was my younger sister and an older brother. We came from a family of eight. And he'd seen it mothered with you know, my sisters and whatever. You know. he, he, he knew all about everybody's strengths and weaknesses. He says, he didn't tell anybody that. And they must have told the whole Aberdeen and the whole of the dressing room, apart from me. Right. It's, it's unbelievable. And he just looked after us during that and after it, before it and everything. And I, I was like, I'm struggling with what about the mortgage? You know, I was a warrior because we had two kids. And Katie, my wife, he, she wasn't working. So he, we got the, the boss says, look, don't worry about it. I've been up to see Katie. I've no sort of things out with Katie, but I'm going to tell you. He says, I'll give you the full bonus for the first three months. And then after the, the next three months, I'll give you half bonus. And then the next three months, I'll give you a quarter bonus. And then by that time, you'll be ready again, the first team. Mm-hmm. So, so this is a business side now. Uh, and my book can, it might come up, you know, because that's him getting my pathway to work. Didn't even have a clue. He didn't have a clue what he was doing, if you know, you know what I mean. But in this day and age, that's what you would do. Yeah. Try and get people back to work as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. But he just, he never had any pressure on me whatsoever. And not one day went by. When, when I was in there, and Joe Hart already saying, Joe had a, a bad knee injury, he had a cruise ship. And the two years, two game up boys right. just threw a bond. We were in together all the time. And the boss would come in and say, How you doing? Yeah, any progress, whatever. He says, I have happy, you know. Never forgot you. They always mm-hmm. come in and seen you. Oh, and then he started including me in a lot of things. You know, even they still stay in the same dressing room. You know, in England, that they've been shifting my foot away. You know, it might be an intrusion. But no, all the, all the players were brilliant as well. Right. I would be on the stand, I'd be on the dressing room floor, doing my bumps on my backside just to try and get active. When my it was a it's an exercise the physio told me to do, mm-hmm. just to get your leg back in in order. It says, but I know the boys would be taking a suit as usual. So. No, no sympathy. Just get yeah. terrorised for what you had to do, you know. Great to get but, back. Uh, what a time it was. It was a very yeah. difficult time in my life. Aye. Uh, oh, what's that? It was my big mate that turned around and says, Neil Martin, Robin McCausland, who I worked with at the moment, he's, he turned around and says, John, he says, you went on to win all the trophies after that injury. He says, what? What an example that is to people. And talk, talk about resilience and all that. It's determination and it's people who look after you. It's a big part of that because we're through the boss and then the rest of the staff and I don't get it wrong, but the boss was the way he handled the, the, the surgeon was unbelievable. I, I don't, I, I'm amazed at that. Yeah, you can you can hear it in my voice about it because wow, if he wouldn't have said that to that surgeon, I mean, I just collapsed and puff. We're going to ask you about that, you know. So, if the surgeon had come in and said, John, it's bad news. You're finished as a footballer. How would you have reacted to that? Do you think? Oh, I'd have gave it a shot. I'd have gave it a shot to see what it was like. You know, uh, I think it was just the, the, the actual talk that they had between them. But if, I wouldn't have gave up. To be honest with you, I was football mad, and right. I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd have listened to everybody was talking about it was about getting how, how you get back fit. How you work up your muscles again, your confidence. It was a right leg anyway, because that was a standing leg. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, thing across, the thing that comes across, John, is you know we all know about Sir Alex and the hairdryer, and you know I, I think he might struggle in this day and age with the, with the way that players are a little bit more molly coddled. Um, he might struggle to manage a group of players in the same way as he did back then. What strikes me is you've got real love and affection for this guy. When you know a lot of others, and you've seen you know the Beckham getting hit by the boot in the head, all that sort of stuff. You, you seem to paint a very different picture—a very caring, sort of a warm father-like figure. 
as opposed to the, the manic hairdryer that everybody perceives them to be? Well, first and foremost, it was a blast furnace, Keith. It wasn't a hairdryer. <laughs> the hairdryer was a Right. Just go down to Manchester for hairdryers, right? <laughs> Get out right. right. Blast furnace, and I got it. I've had it. And by the way, his breath's not that bad. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. brilliant. He's brilliant, honestly. Right. The, I think it's part and parcel how you deal with this guy. <clears throat> he knows, see, I had a nightmare, right? That's just how I get a blast furnace. Where's the going up for a pre match meal in the park? An Aberdeen Hotel, and we're downstairs. We called it submarine to go and watch the Saint and Greavesy, as we've done. And he says, Right, see, he's all quarter to be here for half one. I'll name a team, I'll name a team, quarter to it wasn't a Friday, Thursday, you know what I mean? It was well, so we're all racing ourselves, all doing racing. What are we doing for the return and the Pataudry? We get there, I'm in a minute, I'm in a team, but. Before that, we're watching the Saint and Greavesy and Big Alec, my roommate, comes down. And he's the last one down the shouts over. If they drop the pram off to Katie. And it went kind of surprised. Your reaction was great there, David. That wasn't the same as mine. Because <laughs> I just looked at Big Alec and I said, oh, thanks a lot, big man. Boss never even winced. He just kept on watching it. So but he clocked it. So he goes down and we're planting the round of, of all the teams. You know, and uh, he's he's I'm in the team, he still picks me. But he hates that sort of thing, the pram and stuff like that. <laughs> Didn't want in that talk about it again. So I went out after a nightmare. After a nightmare in the first half, honestly. And I'm coming out and I ain't talking to the wee man. Because we're all honest with ourselves. He says, I'm having a nightmare, he's gonna get me out of in here. And uh, my nose just getting the front door and he says I don't know if he's I've been in the home dressing room here, but it's a mirror and the physio's room's right joint next to it. And it's a big blackboard. And he's pinned me against there with the <laughs> I see big Alec, I can see big Alec doing behind the boss and that's an ox. Always used to giggle. He used to get his shooters going and giggling. And you could have done him because you're facing the gaffer and he's going in one of them. And big Alex going like that. <laughs> he's doing between his knees. Spam, spammer. You're too much of family, man. <laughs> so once you come away for the, the past furnace, I thought, I've, I've done well there. Survived. <laughs> <laughs> Hey right, guys, let's get ready. He went on and spoke for a couple of minutes. And I said, I'll tell you what's why I'm just used to it. He took me off. So I was I was so relieved because I don't know what was going to happen. But see, the following game, it picks me. Mm-hmm. What a difference. Nah. You know, he you, you're doing your work and training. He knows that you can trust you. He knows you can catch it with these people, and and that's that's where you get that kind of people backing each other all the time, supporting each other. You get that kind of trust for each other that sits next to you. Yeah, obviously slaughters you in the dressing room. You know the same guy is sitting next to you, but mm-hmm. he's there for you on that back. Mm-hmm. You know, nice. and as that earlier discussion, he introduced all that kind of confidence and gained on that ability which is talking to people and finding out what their families were like and all their names and, and, and they used to go and meet their mums and dads all their away games. I mean, right. we were at St Mirren. Again, funny enough, we were at St Mirren. And it used to be the old stadium and the windows used to be opened a wee bit in the way dressing room, right? And the punters could kind of shout in. So I think we, I think we just beat them one another or something. But the bosses goes through this little, it's just shouting and pawing. And the next minute he's getting big Alec Belters. And <laughs> all of a sudden, I see a guy shouts through the window. Alec, are you coming home this weekend? 
Oh, oh, take my pieces, wee brother. What's the nonsense? Ladies, it could only harm with a boss. Uh, obviously, after we talk, see, after when we talk about that, he got she still laughing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, see, everybody, everybody, thing about managers being top class, and you know, see, see him, he get everything sorted when he wanted it sorted. No, on Monday or Tuesday or Sunday. That right after the game, he says we were terrible. We were, we were great. And that would be it. 10, uh, 15 minutes on. Well, was that done? It just dealt with uh, Let's move it on then, John, to the the run that you went on that ended up in Gothenburg and ended up where you all becoming icons to that club. Um, when did Aberdeen begin to believe that you could actually do something? Was it obviously the quarter final was a big one, right? You you knock out Bayern Munich, you've got every right to think you can go all the way. But was there even a feeling before that that, you know, because I'd, I'd obviously had a wee look and like he's played two rounds before that, never lost a goal in the four games, he's played in the two rounds before that. You know, was there a momentum building where you thought, we can maybe yeah. do something here? Well, we've got a few doings for a couple of French team, uh, German teams earlier. Engels Hamburg in the Virginia Dusseldorf and that beats, you know. Season, and also, right. aye, and, and also the the Liverpool. Well, we learned after that, you know, even though we could beat 4 1 and aggregate 5 1, you know, we learned after that. Beating the Austria Vienna made us stronger as well. But the biggest thing that we done was a, a preliminary round, and that was against Sion. And we beat them both seven nine in Petodre. Seven nine or something. And we goes over to Austria, eh, Switzerland, and we beat them well, I think it was about twelve, eleven one or something, I agree. But yeah. I heard for the chairman of their club, Sion, after we'd beat them, eh, he says they've got a great chance of winning the cup. Similarly yeah. says that boss. He says, you've got a good team. You've got a, what, you know, he says, they're all working together. They're on the same wavelength. He says, they all know what each other's doing. He says, very organised. He says, that was just a mistake, that result, you know. He says, he's all the wrong way in this. And we snippets like that come back to you. Mm-hmm. Then the yeah. next one, you go to Al- was, uh, the Poles, I think. No, it was the Albanians. Aye, uh, Tirana. Yeah. Tirana. That was, a, that was the most difficult hurdle we had, right? And uh, it was, in fact, there was a queue at that time with the king. We were all trying to get him out. And uh, it was difficult for the world country. You know, with people, when you were going through, it was 80 degrees heat. And uh, stayed in this hotel where everybody met at 2 o'clock in the morning and made tons of noises. They upset us, but it didn't bother us. One nil, we scored. A, we'd scored one goal up at Audrey, and the wee striker was under. Seemingly, he gave Alec Muller a bit of a hard time. But when we got over there, the boss knew the whole situation, what he was going for. And it was one of these things where it just shows you how tight we are as a team. We were doing our warm up in the scorching heat, and Tirana's out, and the fans are all there, all kind of paying for our blood. And they uh, we were doing a warm-up as usual, half an hour before the kick-off. And Stuart Kennedy comes up, typical third days on, you know, and says, says, hey, anybody knows where, where does the referee come from? Where do they come from? And right away, <laughs> you're thinking, he's good, he's good. Uh-huh. He says, you know, go and find out. Stuart goes and finds out where they came from. Right? So he gets a meeting between us all. And he says, hey, you can't feel hungry. Oh, right, okay. He says, Stuart's got his TV seat on. He says, Do you never know he may have relatives over here? <laughs> <laughs> right. This is before the game. So we all go, All right, well done, Stuart. You know, back from the back, my eyes. And we drew nine each eventually, right? So 
But before that, we all kind of broke up after Stuart had told us about the situation. And he says, anybody getting else to say before we all go on and we'll go on up? And Big Sammy comes jumping down, you know, and says, Stuart, And he's like, it's far hungry. Where's hungry? Hey, hey, so you get through that one. Right? So you get through that one. Kennedy said, "You want a geography lesson?" Before the fuck. So you get through that one. Then you had the then you had the Poland team, didn't you? Left Poznan, you beat um, three 0 in aggregate, and then it was obviously Bayern Munich and. You know, that must be one of the nights of your life, was it not? That was the best ever. That was the best ever atmosphere in my life at Pataudry. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes to show it was like the new year at Pataudry. I don't know how you can explain that. It's just that they were so they were up, they were so confident in the Germans, arrogant people, you know. And they were a fair side. <laughs> they were a fair side. They weren't um, a bad side. But, Aye, uh, they, they actually were up buying a, what was it, what was it they were buying, what was it, what was balls and all that, you know, it was crystal, crystal right. stuff, they were not in there like that. They were shopping before, the, the, the game before, right, the day before, that right, and that shows where I, yeah, they were cocky as hell, so they were Dave. But uh, then, every right to be, because they come up and, Took the lead twice, and then Stuart Kennedy will not be happy with this. But <laughs> this is when the boss started. Man. This is when he earns his corn. He's very tactically aware of everything. Because I used to sit with him when I was coming to the injury, and they would talk about passes two, two before it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so he takes half Stuart. Right? Stuart didn't agree with him, so he had a wee discussion. So just took it half and we get him half. Go on. He's spamming on to get the ball forward quicker. Neil Cooper goes to left back. Dougie Rinfey goes to right back. I go into centre mid. And it's me and Dougie. And I think Simmy went off as well. So it was me and Simmy, me and Dougie Bell. It's in midfield. And Dougie's terrorising people. And I'm hitting long balls. So, so, we, so all of a sudden, the free kick comes in. The situation, the edge of the box. And the wee man and I, no aspetite, and the, the rest of the boys. He says, we're fucking this up. Excuse my language. That's exactly what the wee man says. Maybe he's going to use that. You know, a wee bleep. He says, <laughs> yeah. so, he's like, okay. Everybody's seen it with body stance and all that. Huh? And it was, it actually nearly come off twice, two or three times in the previous games. But the Germans, they never screwed me when it happened. Two of us <laughs> ran by it. Daddy Dargan, really deliberate. Wee man, oh. It's actually one of the iconic goals now, isn't it? That because obviously, you know, it looks as if he's have screwed up the free kick. Obviously, it's deliberate in your part, but the Germans obviously hadn't done their homework then if you'd tried that a couple of times before in games and it hadn't worked. Well, we actually hammered them nothing each over there because I was over at the game and Dougie Bell ran riot. Right. So they, warning, they got a warning and they never heeded it. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's how arrogant. But I even remember the World Cup in 1982. We did a, Scotland did a free kick like that. I'm sure it was against New Zealand and we scored from it. Was it John Walt Kidder? But it was the same that's time. It. It was like having a, an yeah. argument over the ball. Aye, aye. Oh, that'd have been fair, game. fair. It was a yes. Aye, aye. Yeah, I had to try that. Aye. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing is, this is the most important thing, and this is for the youngest in the team, Johnny Hewitt. We're all celebrating the goal, and Johnny Hewitt just goes like that. It's only two each. Aye. We're still out. Runs in, gets the ball, planks it on the halfway line. They're still frozen. It might have took longer if Johnny would have done that, right? So yeah. anyway, as soon as, as soon as we've kicked off again, bang, 
took a big went and terrorised somebody and got the boy out to me wide left and I had a diagonal one of them 60 yarders bang to the back post straight to the post so if he's standing in an invisible chair Eric Black was phenomenal in the air you know just hit and hit the bar and guess who slides in and scores the winner Hewitt aye aye within minutes two minutes this is erupted. It's erupted. And the Germans are mad. Wow. We just enjoyed one of the best teams in Europe at that time. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yeah. And it was, it was the best ever. And then we just, off. Water side came up after that and we just brushed them aside. Doogie Bell again. Outstanding. Just yeah. people running at people in the modern day game was unbelievable. And Bell had that strength. Doogie Bell. But what, what was done there was a good Doogie getting forward, running with the ball, and me getting the ball forward quicker. Yeah. Just right. the right. Practically. Phenomenal. Stuart Kennedy will not argue with, not, not agree with that, means <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I. But what about... Uh, like, I know, absolutely. Now, as you said, I mean, you brushed aside Watershy uh, 5-1 at home, and it was done in Dusty Bay time, you went over there for the second leg. So when... Uh, when the finals coming round, Real Madrid, obviously, like the most iconic team in the world, probably. And how did you go into that with your belief that you could actually beat them? Because they had never lost a European final. In fact, I don't think they ever have, other than against Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're still we're undefeated in mm-hmm. finals, apart from the 15 finals they've been in. Yeah, which is a great... You know, great start. The what happened was is the the boss then went and watched them and got people to watch them. And when he went and watched them as well, he's he came back and says we've got a great chance of winning. This was before the final. Oh no, we've got a great chance of winning. It wasn't like, oh hey, we've got our hands full here. Which is positive. Everyone was, and the uh, the build up was unbelievable because it was so relaxed. It's not real. You know, we're getting all the league games out of the way as well at the time. We're in the Scottish Cup final as well at the time. <laughs> so, the, but we, what we've done is they took us and they made everything as simple as it could be. The wives were coming over the next day when we left and they would come over and we'd meet up after the game and stuff like that. But he actually, this is, again, one of these thoughts that fairly thinks, we stayed in a place called Farzat. The hotel was called Farzat. There's another. Where's that? Where's that? <laughs> Farzat is F A R R S. Farzat. Hat. You know, <laughs> you know, we bit of cycling and all that, and nice and easy training session the Tuesday. We were going up, we went to the Olive on the Tuesday, and Real Madrid and Stefano was there before us. Boss was a wee bit concerned about us, you know, thinking about the Stefano and getting copying at the Stefano and saying what he is. But he brought along Big Jock Steam. Big Aye. Jock comes out with us to the training area. Mm. And and what a Spaniard, what the Spanish boys are going to have, Jock Steam. <laughs> yeah, the first role. That's genius when you think you're going to enter. Oh, without a doubt. And Big Jock taught him a few things you've gone up to Alfredo de Stefano he says take a nice cask of whiskey or like in a box and he said they love it big job you know my mind games <laughs> so listen to that you know big job was off for Scottish football so he went mm-hmm. and won yeah, but again big job paid me a big compliment and again because I was supposed to be the weak link against the wee winger he was supposed to be going to terrorise me but I had Peter Weir in front of me and I had the defence there and a big alley inside of me so and also myself I believed in myself because I didn't get there because I was a Mickey Mouse player I got yeah. it because I was a player and I could get the ball forward quicker and Big big Jock said that seemingly in the, the interview he was doing he says I think John McMaster might play a big part in this game he says, which I did we all played a big part yeah, but he the other part I played, I just remember getting Peter the ball about a yard away from me and he then terrorised him for the gate of Martin McGee. What, what a goal that was. Johnny Hewitt. 
Yeah. One thing I feel, John, from, from that was I'm not sure that game gets played these days because of the, the weather. Uh, remember it was absolutely lashing down, wasn't it? Oh, that was green up the weather. That was so. I don't think you'd be Spaniard like that. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Do you think the elements played a part in it, John? Sorry. Do you think the elements the weather? Aye, aye. Without a doubt, we 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 were used to weather. They weren't. You know, we we didn't was going to be like that. You know, but we we hammered them for the ninety minutes. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the free, even the goal came through the free kicks who we worked on, Gordon, mm-hmm. in an out swinger. We used to do, the two years used to go on the, the corner and swing an out swingers, you know, and they all knew what was happening. And then Big Alec would come deep for the halfway line, head of the ball, goalie palms it out, and Black was whacked it in for a metre out. Yeah. It's an a magic moment. A lot of people ignore that, don't see it. If you yeah. watch that game, watch Big Alec coming late to the, mm-hmm. the D, the edge of the box, and it gets a header. That's a made up, and then all of a sudden it's 1 0. We still beat them in 90 minutes. Aye. No problem. Aye, aye. I mean, even like losing the goal the way that you've lost the goal, and you've recovered for that adversity as well, you know, because obviously, you know, Big Alec, he talks about it himself, you know, about making the mistakes That's- that led to the. That, that led to the goal, but he's you know he even recovered for that. I mean, it was, it was just a phenomenal achievement. It's it's how we were built mentally, physically, prepared for everything. And then it came our way. We adjusted and got on with it. Found a way around it. Big man doing that kind of fell apart, didn't he? It was all outstanding. We didn't have a failure in that team. No, there was no failures in that team. Yeah, even with so. And whatever it came on, there wasn't anybody, there's no passengers. Probably. The substitutes always seem, to, always seem to make a big contribution, John, as I recall. You know, every time Sir Alex made one of these subs late on in one of these ties, somebody'd pop up for the bench where I go. You know, it was it was frightening the way the team was working. Well, he wasn't afraid to make decisions that he made with Stuart Kennedy because Stuart Kennedy was unbelievable. He's the best great back I've played with in my life. Outstanding fitness guy. Yeah. Very, very stupid person. And all of a sudden, he's went like that. Stuart will need to come off and we'll need to adjust and adjust there and there. And the arms, but he's done it a few times. Mm-hmm. He, he's to me at certain games. He has to pledge you the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's raging, getting a bad result, you know, but he turned around and says, whether he's going to play me on the Wednesday, is that a signal? You know what I mean? He always used to do that to you. Yeah. He said, I'm not able to Wednesday. But I need you to get a reserve team game today. So he's softening the blow, dropping in you. Yeah, giving you a cheer. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> he's unbelievable. <laughs> tell us this, John. Silly. John, t- tell us this, right? And this is purely a matter of opinion, and you'll be biased because you played in that team. There have been three Scottish teams that have won European trophies. Obviously, Celtics was phenomenal, winning what they won. Rangers, when they won the Cup Winners' Cup, beat Bayern Munich in the semi-final, which was a marvellous achievement as well before going on to win it. You've beaten Bayern Munich and you've beaten Real Madrid. You're Aberdeen. Like, you're not, you know, you're, you're a team that probably, like, you know, in a lot of countries wouldn't have really known an awful lot about Aberdeen. And you've gone on and you've won that European trophy. What's, in your opinion, the biggest achievement? Is it Celtic Rangers or Aberdeen? Winning and... Well, we, we, we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to win European trophies in Scotland, right? But yeah. for them two clubs to win, the the big one as well, and you know, the cup winners, uh, we see the resources that Aberdeen had. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have won any of them, but they did. Yeah. And that's the difference between me saying that and being biased. is because the resources that Celtic and Rangers had, 60,000 fans, Maybe even five hundred thousand people going. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's phenomenal. So, and for the day that, and go and do one silverware out with your country, mm-hmm. that should be lauded up there, way before the Celtic yeah. Rangers. Don't get us wrong. 
I became a Celtic fan that night and I became a Rangers fan that night. Mm. And, you know what I mean? It's about a lot of people. I was I was always a Morton fan and then I was an Aberdeen man. So, yeah. but that that for me has got to be the biggest achievement out of the three. Mm. But then, you know, in my eyes, as far as financial uh, business goes, we were punching above our weight. I've got to say, I mean, it's pound for pound when you look at everybody who's won European trophies over the years, pound for pound, that is probably as big an achievement as as anybody could have, you know, because you were a, and I know that Ferguson hated the expression provincial club and all that, but that's what Aberdeen were at the time and yet it elevated them to not only winning the Cup Winners Cup, but then going on and winning the Super Cup. Well, it's not just that as well, because if you look at the wee charts, the football, French football and FIFA done with the charts, they used to do charts, so they did. And if you look at the charts in the 83, we were top of, we were top there, mm-hmm. right? We, we, we were top of the charts, we the French and Germans and Spaniards all below us, and we had Celtic and Dundee United in the top 15 as well. Mm-hmm. If you look at the charts in football, the rankings, yeah. But also the rankings, Keith mm-hmm. I, the, mm-hmm. the rankings I. We were number one. And also we got a medal for that. Now but, the boss said to become a one trophy team or a two trophy team, three, four, and we came a four trophy team that year. We won in the Super Cup, on top of the Cup Winners Cup, the Scottish Cup, and also that medal for being might have been the best team in the world at the time. Uh, absolutely. You never know. Because Hamburg, mm-hmm. you know, the Super Cup is, is Hamburg were the European champions. Yeah. And yeah. we don't know what one better than anybody. You know, so for that to come up, Aberdeen, there's resources. Come on. I know. Really. How, how he operated that club. From yeah. top to bottom, and I had story again. Mostly Teddy Scott he says the board. The board meetings lasted a minute, and the meals lasted three hours. So forty years on, John. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of celebrations and whatnot, and you've also brought out your uh, a book. Tell us just a wee bit about that and about why you decided to do that in the process. Just. As we round this off, this has been a great conversation. By the way, it's been brilliant. So, so thanks for that. But how? Uh, tell us a wee bit about the book and when it's out, etc. Well, it's called the business of winning, and the reason why it's called the business of winning is uh, it's uh, it's about how Sir Alex Ferguson got us to become winners and the losers that was there before. You know, yeah, and how we trans. Supporters clubs, youth coaching, scouting as well, recruitment. You know, have we got a family orientated thing? And it was like Sir Alfred de Steff saying, you know, Alfred de Steff was saying, Aberdeen's got a, what is it, a, a pride and whatever. There's something he says, I'll find out about it. Yeah. So once we get that, but what the boss did, he did say is he says, to start with, it's either a one trophy team and then it built it up, it made us hungry. But the book is all about the business of winning and everything that he taught me and how we looked after me with the caring side of this as well. Mm-hmm. Into this, and my three colleagues is David Christie, Neil Martin, and Robin McCausland. They kind of mixed it together. I used to go up to Aberdeen with the two of them, Neil and Robin, and meet David in Aberdeen. And he, They'd be telling her funny stories, but they'd turn around and say, This is merely a funny story. This is this is stories that belong in business, belong in everywhere. Because they worked in the semiconductors industry, mm-hmm. Neil and Robin, for about 30 years. Ago. And they started thinking about things about that. And so it's more bringing as well from a third world country <laughs> in the, <laughs> the 50s and 60s. It's unbelievable. Heavy and at that time, Scotland were thriving in jobs and working heavy industrial stuff, especially down in Greenock. I mean, you get six boats getting built in yeah. a week, you know. 
he's, we live right next to there, so we've got that, and we've got my school on them, we've got my, we're scouting and then we're into the boys' brigade and we're into everything else, you know. So I had a great upbringing, apart yeah. from the death of my mother, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, if my mother be eight kids, but things happen and you move on. Mm-hmm. But it's all about my upbringing and Gibbs Hill, which is a really, really a difficult place to live. I'm yeah. supposed to have been voted one of the worst teams in Europe at the time because of the gang troubles and that, you know. So. Right. So a lot of guys going to go up to Aberdeen, just totally transformed everything that I was doing. You know, mm-hmm. I was happy enough working as an apprentice plumber in Scottish Shipyard in the first eight years and then gladly doing the building, but football came into it. But it's a great read. It's a, 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 the publishers are Morgan and Lawrence, mm-hmm. Matthew Mann and Barry Point, and they've been fantastic with us. Nice. And they have got two. The Highlands, yeah, because I played with Peter Head. Oh, uh-huh. down there because I wasn't getting a game, and I <coughs> scored fourteen goals in twenty odd games. Became a, a star for them up there. I was playing wide left by them, <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it, it uh, was a fantastic. Because if it wasn't for Peter Head, I might not have been where I am now. Uh, absolutely, aye. Yeah. And, and yeah. is the book, book already out, John? Is it is it out now so people can get it? I'll send you a cover of it and you can see it and it'll tell you a wee note and, you, and then you get some information off that as well. David, yes. you know, you can note it for us. I'll send it to both of you. And, uh, Perfect. Right. We're going to launch, launch it in August, hopefully with Aberdeen. We've been in touch with Rob Wick, oh, yeah. okay, the marketing so. uh, director. And right. also... Right. Absolutely. Look forward to that. That'll be a fascinating read. And John, it's been a fascinating conversation. Loved every minute. Thanks, yeah. thanks for your time there. Thanks for your time, John. I know. And, I've uh, actually thoroughly enjoyed Great stuff. Hopefully we'll see you soon. And thanks yeah. for sharing some of those memories with us on the on the off the record podcast. Thanks very much, John.